Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Kevin, Mr. Hey, Halcott. Hey. Yo, um, season of the witch, man. Oh yeah, right. That that opened my eyes to how obvious. I mean, like everybody talks about how what Nicholas cult- Cage? No, <laughs> <laughs> another season of the witch. Donovan? No, I'm talking about uh, Donovan. Yeah, it's it's a season of the witch. How the occult saved rock and roll by Peter. Oh right, 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 right. Yeah, Baruba Jaggle. No, um, Beaver <laughs> Beaver Gaw. Uh, he uh, he, I mean, he opened my eyes to like how obvious it is that rock and roll relies on the occult. And that how was many a great episode of Forty Two Minutes, man? Oh well, I appreciate it, but it was a great book. Like the, the cool thing about Forty Two Minutes is if you actually if you do the research, then the the person you're interviewing will make it a good show. So, I mean, Doug, think, think Doug for it being a great show. But the whole thing is that makes it plain and vivid that, I mean, he calls it in that book, he calls it the occult imagination. But that, I mean, th- that's the breakdown as far as conspiracy theory goes. People see occult and they're like, up oh, conspiracy. Right. But th- there's more to it than that. <laughs> Totally. Like the occult creates, yeah. it's it's a cre- it's a creation thing. It's like a creative inspiration instead right. of lock locked down in belief. I mean, right. he well, there's right and left brain, right? So that's the thing is that your left brain is very easily, you know, accessible. It's worked more than the right brain is generally, but it didn't used to be that way. Apparently, I mean, when you look at the way language developed, it seems like the right brain was way more dominant, actually. 
in, from the beginning and that we've kind of emphasized another side of things. But like, that's the thing about a cult is that like, there's a, a different kind of way of relating and understanding, you know, I was just watching Scott Onstad talking about that whole idea again and emphasizing that with his particular findings. You know, he's like, your left brain will have a strong reaction to this, but that's beside the point. The point is that this connection actually exists and what you take from it on top of that is another matter, you know. I often consider yeah. the whole Kabbalah read the, the right pillar, left p- pillar as like right brain, left brain. Do you see it the same way? I see it as crossing over from when you look at the supernal into the terrestrial, that it's literally flips. And so you'll have the, the masculine, the feminine, the feminine, the masculine. Not to say that it's, it's just there's, a, there's some, some, a changing of the guards energetically. It's still the same principles that are at play, but they, they do a thing. Um, at least that's what's communicated. When you're, when you're looking at what, how from Hochmah to Bina, the template is distributed. And then in, in the flow, there's kind of a, a reversal that seems to be acknowledged, at least what I've seen in commentary. That's so how far. like eyes and motor function works too, right? Right. Well, that's the thing that I find really interesting in that regard. Yeah. I mean, I don't, that connection is kind of a conjecture connection to just say, well, this is, but the thing is, is that Keter literally, they say, I, I come across this a lot where it's, it's, it directly translates as medial brain. Um, the what the what they're saying about Keter. They're like, what is this? And it's like, oh, medial brain, the center of the brain, and that's the crown. Like that implies that Hochma and Bina are the right and left sides of the brain. And then when you say that, and that flip occurs, it just seems like there is some understanding of that um, principle, which is really far out. <clears throat> yeah, there's there's also the um, I think there's a, a Crowley quote where he talks about how there's like a certain sublimity to the structure of the tree of life because um like contradiction is uh like part of one of the principles of like nature above the abyss you know so like above uh has said you know the 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 abyss of the space between the the human and the supernal realms you know so um if if you think about, you know, Hokma and Bina being kind of these reversed functions of the right and left brain because they're above the abyss, you know, mm-hmm. um, there's like kind of an interesting uh, connection there too between the uh, contradiction and the the right and left sides being kind of like active and passive and then that being the opposite in terms of what the left and right brain are generally attributed to, you know, because um, I guess you know technically the right brain, if you're if you are the tree of life, that would put uh, Bina, you know, at your right side, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, that wouldn't quite make sense, but contradiction rules above the abyss. So then that switch would make more sense, you know. Yeah, the contra is only in the diction, right? <clears throat> the, di- right. the diction is contrary, but the thing in itself isn't necessarily. <clears throat> right, right. I just. <clears throat> to, to exist I was there. reading something. I think it was a footnote. I think I was reading Prometheus Rising, and in a footnote, he's like, one of his exercises, Robert Anton Wilson's exercises, is try to write with your. If you're left-handed, try to write with your right, and if you're right, try to draw with your left. And he says, uh, the footnote was, I guess Crowley would advise his students to do that, to 
try to stimulate that other side of the brain that is inactive because most people are usually right. Sure, I, I think it's in. <clears throat> yeah, and I don't know if uh, that had been played with before him, but it's just an interesting psychological trick to sort of shift yourself into a new yeah, headspace. Da Vin and da Vinci, da Vinci right? did that too. Oh, okay. Yep. Well, Da Vinci didn't want to smear his writing, right? That's what they say. So he was writing with ink, and he didn't want. Right. He was one, so he like would go in the opposite direction just so he wouldn't wipe mm. his hand across it. Right, and they teach you that in art class and whatever to put a piece of paper like to because you if you're inking like a comic book, you want to go from top left to bottom right if you're right-handed because otherwise your your hand would cross the ink mm. and smear. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But also like hermetic writing is writing with both hands. Hmm. Exactly, which is what I find really interesting about, like, when you look at the difference between, if you're reading, like, I read Torah in Hebrew, you know, and we're going along, and you're going from right to left, and then if you were to read that in English, you're going from left to right, what does that say in terms of the the brain, you know, it's kind of funny, because one, ideally, you know, you'd be looking at as a pictograph, which is a right brain activity to understand beyond the image, like you're relating to an image, um, but then if you look at the mathematics as well, so you, if you're reading something ends, you're looking at musical notes, so it's all being sung. So if you're doing all of that simultaneously, like you're actually reading and using both parts of your brain as well as being rhythmic and rocking to it musically, like the, you know, all those factors combined is just really interesting. And then to remove all of that and then read it from uh, left to right, is kind of interesting. That's why I love comic books because comic books fire both sides of the brain too because you're dealing with the spartial relationship with the pictorial aspect of it. And Absolutely, then you're dealing absolutely, dude. Right, exactly. Uh, Alan Moore, that was his huge argument why he didn't want to see his um, films represented that, you know. Uh, although because, you can't well, do that with film. I mean, people can access that. That seems to well, me to be I true. try to do that with film because I usually turn on the subtitles. My girls can't stand it, but to me, it brings like it. You you'll understand more about what the film is relating if you're if you're watching the movement of the the right brain spatial kind of relationship of the 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 blob. I mean, I call it the blob. It's just whatever the picture is showing you. You can automatically pick up, and your brain's relating and communicating with you in that way. But if you're also reading the words, then your left brain's going as well. Totally. Well, and yeah. I like thinking. Oh, go ahead. Alan. There's a. No, it's nothing. I insist. <laughs> Mine's not much. I mean, basically, what I wanted to say is, so uh, I'm working this job uh, at the Hilton, and there's a every day I pull into the parking lot, and there's somebody with the license plate Mad Mem, M E M, <laughs> right? So. Wow. I'm fascinated by it. Like every day <laughs> I go in and I'm like, well, so, and there's, uh, so it's a, it's also a customized plate in that it's like, it has like a picture of like, like a wave or something. And it's something about like Virginia coastal waters or something. So it's like the mem, the waters, but then it's mad men, mad mem, all this sort of like that. I'm like, what the fuck, right? But I, when you guys were doing, so I got, I'm thinking, right, our eyes take in a flipped image, right? And then our brain flips it back. So it's sort of like the, 
it's a series of filters. But to be the hanged man, like uh, Kevin, you said, to be above the abyss, right? I'm also thinking of the hanged man hanging over the abyss. He has been flipped. And David, you're saying once you cross that, you have a flip happening on either side, right? Right, but so you realize how, yeah, how applicable that is in terms of when you lay out the hero's journey using the 22 Arcana. We have your 11-11, you know, on both sides. The hangman is the first to be flipped. When you go from lust to the hangman, he's the first one that's upside down. So you're looking right. at the reflection. Right, so I guess, I'm saying, I guess I'm saying to have, you know, I always think of the, the archetypes as like, um, essentially like, for lack, for lack of a better term, like states of consciousness. Like they're, they're like... Um, like tool, toolkits, reality tunnels. Like there's a time and a place for me to u- utilize the chariot knowledge, you know. But there's gonna be another time where it's like for me, it's not like a progression. Even in that cycle, it's like um, <clears throat> there's gonna there might be a day where today I need some hanged man, but maybe next week I need some lust next you know the week after it's not necessarily in order right mm-hmm. and i guess what i'm saying is and then i'm not that's just my that's my relationship to it or um or my sort of you know the sort of language that i've chosen or that it resonates with me for these states of consciousness these these sort of tools anyway to me the hanged man is like it's the glimpse before the brain has reprocessed and i guess what i'm asking is it a in a sense it's a more purer vision right it's a truly seeing with the eyes before the brain kicks in to do to, to work it right does that make sense well also i've, I've d- tended to relate to the hangman as a like a uh you have a conscious mind and you have the unconscious mind and that the two are actually mutually interdependent and they're influencing each other. Um, that's what I'm looking at, that reversal of the major arcana, where you have the 22 cards and they loop back, and so you have 11 on one side and 11 on the other. I see that as a relationship between the conscious mind and the unconscious mind. That's just, I, you know, uh, the way it seems to make the most sense, but I'm open to other ideas. Well, I don't know if there's a... I, I think it's uh Go ahead, Kevin. Uh, I'm just going to say, uh, I think it's interesting, too, like um, something that comes up in my work, um, you know, studying all these kind of membrane uh, themes, you know, is this, uh, as we talked about in like other chats, like this idea of um, the spiritual plane being, a, or the imaginative plane being this kind of the causal plane, you know, and uh, the physical realm being the crystallization of that plane of existence in a sense so um when you think of like water and like all these mirror themes you know like water reflects and like the hanged man is the water tarot trump in the tarot deck and it represents uh you know that that quality of surrender you know right so um to kind of like totally the that inversion um quality always to be like like speaks um that that kind of two worlds consciousness, you know, that it's like it's part of uh, the duality consciousness inherent to like being uh, in, you know, being human beings in Earth, on Earth and stuff. But um, I think like the symbol, the symbolisms of these mirrors, the upside down, the inverse, 
and all of this is like a, a reflection of that psychic reality, you know, that uh, that we exist above and below that abyss, you know. Yeah, well, isn't that why it's the Thoth deck in the first place? Is because it's the Ibis looking at its own reflection, like you see in the Queen of Cups, and you know the, the that whole idea. Because what what is the conscious mind looking into the subconscious? It can't actually see the subconscious. It can only represent it from an analytical perspective. Yet a dream is a dream. So if you fall asleep and you go into it, that's its own deal, <clears throat> and you can be lucid. You can control it too. But that's you know that's 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 the work that you see. You know, um, that's one of the main focuses in Thelema, as far as I can tell, is being able to direct the um, unconscious in ways that aren't necessarily <laughs> thought to be possible. Uh, I, right, like this, it, I like this whole connection between Mad Mim, if you think of Mad as being like insane or crazy, right? Where it's like, and the, the traditional, okay, so Mim basically means memory, right? So memory is the opposite of insane. It's the categorization of like what is happening, the truth, and being coherent and remembering it. Mad is the exact opposite. Do you get what I mean? So yeah, yeah. You're, we're you're all mad. Sort here. Of, right? You're you're mis you're you're incorrectly remembering. Is that what you mean? Like. Right, it's the opposite of it's deep how memory. With the faulty memory logic system. Well, you think of insanity as like false history. Like if you think about people rewriting a revisionist or isn't the. It, sorry, isn't it the definition of insanity doing the same thing over and expecting a different result? Is that okay. because if you ha didn't remember, it's like almost like amnesia. You forgot that this action has this result. Right, and then that leads us, kind of parks us right up close to, like, um, Philip K. Dick. Do you know what I mean? Or the opposite of amnesia, remembering total recall. Bam. <laughs> I also right. like the fact that I'm, I'm looking at this thing that you put in here, the mad lover, where you're, it's just the word mim and mad over and over and over, and my eye fell on the word the devil. Well, it's mem and chi, right? Which what is chi? Chi is the the energetic Energy. flow. So, but it so I scroll up and it's it's a play and it's the character Memnon and Chillax are talking to each other. Now this is really old, so I think it's hilarious. really Chillax. Chillax. <laughs> it's better than Chillax. Enter Chillax. Water, water chills, you know. Yeah, uh, you know it's like frozen. And says, thou must needs die, good Chillax. Very well, sir. I have honest, valiant souls about me. I cannot miss thee. Die, D-Y-E? Yes, die, D-I-E. Huh. Die, sir? Aye, and ye shall die. Ch good Chillax. The mad lover. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck this is, but it's interesting. <laughs> but, you know... It's just weird. It's like, I, my, like I said, my, I'm going through this whole devil, like... Some somebody made the point where the devil's horns connect to um, the goat and the year of the goat, but there's devil stuff happening like all up and down one wall and the other. And then, like I'm going, I'm scrolling up your little thing here that you have, and my eyes fall on the words "the devil," and all of a sudden I got like this download in a very Philip K. Dickian way, where it's like the words fucking released some some recall in my brain you know 
the Hebrew letter Mem, which means water, is similar to Samak, except it's more square, you know, but it's actually a loop that goes all the way back around. Um, so it's interesting. You could you could relate to that a, a few different ways, but isn't it? Wait, you, wait. You said that the letter Mem is yeah. a loop? Is yeah, that it's a loop. Saying? It goes back around to itself. So it's like an or- it's Ouroboros. Some a va- valis loop. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's a it's a total recall. Yeah, it goes around, and so the, there's a Close. significance in the letters when they relate to those. You know, I mean, they, there's a whole thing around that. Like Tet doesn't connect, you know, Samek does. So it's like the next stage, and you'll see this represented in the Rider deck by the reptilians that show up because you have it getting closer to an Ouroboros. That's why the King of Wands, you can see that like finally you actually have the Ouroboros and the lizard at his side. So he's the Lizard King. I'm like almost you know 95% sure that that's what what the joke was with the Lizard King is a direct reference to the uh, King of Wands in the uh, Rider uh, Tarot deck. But the thing is, I was going to say about fucking Heath Ledger is that isn't it interesting that when they pull the uh, card of the Hangman, which is Mem, he's actually over water uh, in that scene. Uh, with his airway open, you know, later on his airway gets blocked, and you have all of pen, pen, pen. Does it was saying pen? When P- Jim Carrey, Sean, Sean <laughs> Penn, Jim Carrey. <laughs> I, oh, earlier, I was I was talking about Jim Carrey with the red and blue, where he's like got oh, a pen. He's pen, like, this pen, pen is, and he can't tell a lie. So he's trying to and say it's, it's red, but it's blue. Blue. So he can't change it. Right. Sorry, because no, I was thinking. Sorry, I was thinking of Heath Ledger is like Ledger is the book. Yeah. Mm. Or the ledge that you dropped off. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, he was hanging from a ledge in the Doctor Parnassus, you know. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's strange, and then it's also very strange that at the end of two thousand one, a space odyssey, not the very end, but you know, going down with when he's when he's in the you know, pod, and he's saying, how open the pod bay doors, and it says Mem behind him. And I actually, I, I, I had an experience a number of years ago where I took a bunch of acid, and I was like, okay, I'm going to record the soundtrack to 2001 A Space Odyssey, you know, and I went, and I was, it was a um, birthday party, and I recorded my set with my mini-disc player, but it was all vinyl in my 303, and, uh, you know, in the morning when I, I washed it to get together, you know, like as the sun was rising, you know, after that night, it was this whole like crazy re- personal religious experience or whatever. Uh, but afterwards, I wrote Mem on the CD the first time that I that I was like, oh, what do I call this mix? And I just wrote Mem. Uh, but it's interesting. I, I didn't really think about the significance of that at the time. But if you watch, you know, uh, 2001, the Jupiter and Beyond the Infinite with Pink Floyd Echoes, you know, you have this whole submarine theme. Originally, if you look at the, the first lyrics of Echoes, they were all about outer space and planetary alignments. When they performed it live the first few times, that was what the song was about. And then they made it into this, this sea metaphor. And so you have the whole Julia thing ties in like crazy. You know, o- Ocean's Child related to Jupiter. J- Julia literally means Jupiter's child. And so isn't it funny that the song by the Beatles says fucking Ocean's Child and making that equation when you have 2001 The Space Odyssey apparently did the exact same thing uh, with Pink Floyd. You know, you have those whale sounds and all of that shit. You know, it's very underwater-esque, you know, like a submarine. Everything is, you know, they they relate to the spaceship as a submarine. Uh, So like as above, so below, I guess, would be the significance or something, but... Hey, David, what I'm reading here, does this resonate with what you've learned? It says, there are two forms of the letter Mem. 
one used at the beginning or middle of words, open, and one only used to end a word, closed. Yeah. Jewish, Jewish tradition regarding these letters indicates that the open mem is a womb, yes. open so that life can come forth. Yeah. And the closed mem is a closed womb or a tomb, a place where there is no life. Yeah, sure. I've heard that before. It's, where are you reading that? Fucking Valis Loop. Jesus. Well, it's not Christ. just a Valis Loop, but you know when you were, uh, Will, you were <clears> saying about the, 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 um, the caterpillar to die to become a butterfly. You know this idea of the the transformation. Holy shit. It's the hangman's noose. And you know what? So you guys, I just watched a fucking Knight's Tale, and I brought myself to watch it. It was actually very enjoyable, especially for sync purposes. But there's this whole scene at the beginning where I'm just like, "Give me a fucking break!" Where they're standing at the gallows, and Heath Ledger's there, all talking, and like everything is just so ridiculously applicable. And I watched the Brothers Grimm too, and he fucking pulls out a fucking death card. The uh, you know, Ace of Spades, Heath Ledger sticks it on his forehead. You know, he's got the fucking risen symbol of Osiris on his forehead and Dr. Parnassus sticks it on his forehead, makes this whole statement about dying. If he's not, if he's not being honest or something like that, I can't remember. I'd have to watch it again, but he talks about his own death, sticks it on his forehead and he's pointing to it. And it was just like, you know, and you know what that movie is about is about fucking fake magic. He's a, Heath Ledger is a fake magician who's basically doing like this kind of like seance thing where they're killing witches or whatever, but it's not real. And then they come upon real magic and have to realize, oh, wait a minute, this is actually fucking real, you know? You know, it's the second time that uh, A Knight's Tale has been mentioned in this this little conversation of ours because Brian Hegelin wrote it. No shit. Yeah. Well, that's saying something weird. Because <laughs> it's the fucking Hangsman loop, too. You know, you could take it. You're looking at a loop. Mem. That's fucking weird. You yes, got more. You know the... Hold on. I got something stirring here. I'm looking I'm looking something up. Oh, well, Just... this was the thing, too. It's that the fucking... Uh, so, so Batman always associated with a vampire. You have this whole thing with Shin is fire. Mem is water. All of his air. And those are the different parts of the tree of life, and there's this whole thing around that. And it's 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 you know it gets rather complicated. But you know, shin literally means uh, canine tooth. It's a fang. And isn't it funny to that like you know Robert Anton Wilson when he watched Batman shortly before you know he passed, he watched Tim Burton's Batman was like, this is totally the symbol. It's like it's like vampire teeth. And he was like, could anyone notice this whole vampire theme throughout this movie? And vampires obviously comes from uh, Dracula, which is Draco. Which is, you know, um, uh, a play on Christianity where you, you drink someone's blood to live forever, drink of my blood, even my flesh, you know, this whole thing. And so, yeah, I, I, I don't know if you guys get the idea of kind of where I'm going with that, but it's pretty trippy. It, it, the, in Burton's Batman, they also say that he, like, drinks the blood or whatever. But here, let me read this to you. This is coming from the Dictionary of Symbols by J.E. Surlot. It was just some sinky book that fell into my hands. Did you see where he said does he, he drinks blood? At the very beginning, they're talking about Batman. They're sitting on top of the roof. I'm like staring upward because I'm doing this from memory. But the the very beginning, they're like, it's the Batman. It's the Bat. Like, oh, what they said is he can't. Somebody was thrown off of a roof and there was no blood in the body. Right. And they say he can't be killed. Uh, So it's got this whole thing going on. Jesus vampire shit. But then if you look at the the, one of the very next scenes when they're down below, you know, and there's like a. a meat store and it's all Hebrew written all over the walls for kosher meat, you know, and you just, it just so happens that like at the beginning of that movie, after they say that they show you all this Hebrew, it felt like a weird psychedelic clue to me. I don't know. I was tripping out on it, 
but because the Hebrew letter Shin, which is judgment. So you have the people rising from the graves. You know, that's the card associated with it. And those are dead people. That's a fucking, they're vampires, dude. You look at it, they're coming out of coffins right. in the writer deck. You know what I'm saying? With Michael blowing the fucking trumpet. This okay, is, a, yeah. a Dictionary of Symbols by J.E. Surlot. Okay, this is Sleeping Beauty. Um, it's just a dictionary, basically. This is the entry. On the one hand, she may be regarded as a symbol of the anima and the Jungian sense. On the other, she symbolizes, rather than the unconscious proper, the ancestral images which lie dormant in the unconscious, waiting to be stim- or sim- or stimulated into action. As Loefer points out in fairy tales, the legend princesses lie dreaming in their palaces like memories and intuitions deep down in our unconscious. The, prin- the, princess, the princesses and their palaces, uh, though not always asleep, are invariable outside the world of action so that every sleeping or otherwise secluded prince princess stands for a pants a passive potential um and in here lies the secret to uh jennifer conley in my opinion um especially the movie darks or dark city is that what it's called isn't it it's a dark city oh, well, first off a knight's tale came out in 2001 um i just saw that dark city but, was like oh, 99 or 97 right Right, uh, yeah, the dark Dark City is 1999. I think it was Dark City is almost the exact same movie as The Matrix, and they both came out in the same year. It has right, interesting right, crossover for sure. It's definitely got like the Archon theme. Um, those things that are <clears throat> they look like vampires, but they're Archons that secretly rule people and replace their memories with shit. They're they're sucking. If you remember, right? If you remember that they're sucking the memory though. And then they are scared of water at the very end of the movie. Once the guy's false memories are injected by Kiefer Sutherland or Kiefer Sutherland from flatliners. They you are know? afraid of water that you're right. Yeah. So, so I mean, the, at the very end of it, the memory injections, but right. even, okay. Okay. So look, I haven't seen Holy Knight's water. Tale. The I've water comes seen. Well, the water's Ooh, flooded. I've never in. seen Knight's Tale, but, it says here the the story the storyline. I'm reading IMDb when there's a fuckload of interesting stuff. So Brian Hecker starts didn't out just... with a with a dead knight and no, Fletcher actually... takes his place. But okay, I'm just going to say three really quick factoids. One, it's 2000. The movie came out 2001. Two, it wasn't just written by Brian Hegland. He wrote and pro- he directed and produced oh. and wrote the movie. Yep. So this was his baby. Okay. Um. Uh, what was I going to say? The idea of so this, the storyline here says that he's um, he, he has someone write a fake history for him, right? He he does. He's not actually a knight, so he has someone write a fake memory, fake yeah, history no, for no, him. Notarizer, yeah. And it's, and basically, it's the same thing as Dark City, where they inject the false memories so that he wakes up. Oh, in, and he's, right. Oh, exactly. cool. it's the same thing. He's saying if you convince yourself that you're actually this bold person, then you can do it. Because remember, uh, the guy from Twenty Four, Keeper Sutherland, was not a queer Smotherland, I believe. But but, if, but <laughs> he injected the false. He injected the false memory to make him able, just like this guy has the false history Who's to make the him fucking a knight. vampire in the Lost Boys. Right. And uh, right. lastly, Good point. lastly, it says here, crazy credits. As the first credits appear, the camera swings to show a constellation behind William and Jocelyn. The constellation is Orion, the hunter. Jocelyn refers to William as the hunter before she learns his name. 
So here we have him directly correlated with Orion in the movie. And what? Who? Where does Jocelyn and whatever from? That's from. This is all Knight's Tale. I don't know. It's a girl. Oh name. yeah, I remember. Okay, it's okay. Yeah. It's weird because Hegelin has this pattern. I mean, he did conspiracy theory with Mel Gibson. Then he did payback with Mel Gibson. He did a Knight's Tale with um, Ledger. Then he did The Order with Ledger. He did Man on Fire with um, Denzel, and then the taking of uh, Pelham One Two Three with Denzel too. But The Order, have you guys seen The Order? I haven't watched it all the way through. All I know is I saw like a tidbit of it, when and I was like, first came out and I was what just, the oh, hell God. is this? Yeah, I wasn't feeling it when I first came out, but I should revisit it for sync purposes. That's a nerd movie to watch, dude. Here's a watch nerd, here's movie. a sync purposes. I'm going to take Mrs. Doubtfire and Man on Fire and put the two movies on at the same time. <laughs> hey, fuck it. Man on Fire and Doubtfire. You know, I, I don't doubt that this, that'll work. You know, this is Man on Fire. Wow. Don't doubt it. So. Well, if you wanted to, to incorporate into the Dark Knight Rising, you know, the uh, that uh, you know that was like it's funny. Jason and I independently had the same thought when it was like um, Batman, the newest Batman came out. You know, and it was like Dark Knight Rises or whatever. And immediately I was like, "Fucking Knight of Wands, dude!" Like. Between the decon, I guess, was like so many degrees between Scorpio and Sagittarius, and he's all rising out, you know, and it's supposed to be like lizard scales on him, they say, you know. <clears throat> so that was pretty, pretty trippy, but you could, you know, incorporate uh, the uh, Knight's Tale, you know, the uh, Dark Knight Rises, and uh, Mrs. Doubtfire and Man on Fire, and just watch them all at the same time. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> Can anyone tell me, besides the obvious, like, stone that the builders rejected, uh, all this sort of stuff, why the tagline for A Knight's Tale is, he will rock you? Right, right, right. Because they, they play because it. Because the whole... the whole queen. Yeah, so there queen, you go. the whole Knight's Tale is infected with queen. Right. Like, like they, they use it. it. Well, no, like, okay, so they're about ready to joust, and the whole freaking crowd is going... Do you know what gotcha, I mean? Gotcha, Did you gotcha, gotcha. stomach just now? Was that you slapping on your stomach? No. I'm serious. <laughs> I just want to know. <laughs> but That'd be awesome, thing, though. Man. I should it's, have. It's fucking queen. And so you're like, the stone will rock you. Rock you, the stone that the builders ejected right. queen. The queen is the stone. You know what I'm saying? She's only, she can move in any direction. No one else on the chessboard can do that, you know? Well, he the order too, and they use the same girl. But Heath Ledger's love interest is Heath Ledger's love interest, and the order is the same one as in Knight's Tale. Really? No shit. Wow, that's trippy. Well, I mean, it's I mean, it's the same writer, same director. So, but still, man, Sym- symbolically, that's a that's a significant one. Sync-wise, that's just right up your alley. That's what I'm saying, man. Shit. Trudging through some shit tonight, boys. So what was the Robin Hood thing? No one remembers what, how Robin Hood equals 42? Is it, is it straight? Fuck, man. That had to have come from the sinkhole. And 42 equals everything from watermelons to wood grain. So... You know that every U.S. president, except for two, is related to 
John from Guy at the time of Robin Hood that, like, you know, uh, what's his name, that asshole who was, like, watching over the kingdom or whatever, something else. Um, the sheriff? Not Matt. Yeah, the sheriff. Nottingham. Not Matt Mardigan. No. Sheriff of Nottingham. Uh, yeah, but he got a name. I can't oh. remember. It's not the point. Anyways, no. that guy, the fucking king at the time, was off with the Crusades. That guy, every U.S. president except for two, is blood related to him. I think it was Richard, but maybe not. No, that was that was King John. No, King, King John, John was Richard Lewis. Prince John. And then King, King, then King Richard. Richard came back, who was uh, John Luke Picard. Oh, right, 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 right. You're right. Um, I stand yes. I finally John. win. Okay. I win you something. Win. The Return of the Dick. Okay. <laughs> Return of the Dick. Uh, well, let's... What was the other rest of his name? Because it was it was Don Draper and Dick, what? Madman, or I guess you guys. No, Don Draper, Dick Whitman. Whitman, thank you. Whatever. I don't know what the significance of that was. That's a charm. We're all mad here. That's the thing. That that movie as a whole, uh, like, there's layers to shit where you don't know what you're watching is even fucking real where it ends up going. Like, it's got a very Alice in Wonderland bent to it. And that's the thing. The fucking queen chops off everyone's heads. It's a real problem. <laughs> it is a real problem. Because <laughs> she's not she's not queen, man. Who let this woman run the show over here? Fucked up. I don't know, man. Oh. I got I got a copy of Alice in Wonderland. It's like the one that's like drawn by him or whatever. And like some of the differences are totally noteworthy. I don't know if you guys have ever read that. Like Alice's Adventures Underground, like the first fucking copy. Yeah, I know. You can find PDFs of it online. Have you guys seen uh, this movie, Time Walker? It's a bad B movie with a mummy. It's been coming up a lot lately in the. I was just I was just watching with Alex Fulton the other day, and it was really it was like a part of a double feature that we watched, and it was just so fucking weird. It was confusing as hell at first because you don't know what the villain is. It's it's either a mummy or a mold or something. You don't know what the hell's going on. Anyway, someone steals this mummy's fucking diamonds, and someone shoots it with gamma rays. <laughs> so of course it comes to life, and it gets wants its diamonds back. So it's this undead person arising or whatever, seeking these these jewels. And every time he gets a jewel, he puts it on this like Anakian tablet that's kind of like a tree of life with notches in it. And he puts each of his little sephirot in there. Uh, and it doesn't. I don't think it's ten or anything, but um, it's it's just aesthetically similar in what it's trying to accomplish. Anyway, the mummy. Causes a bunch of destruction on his way towards self ascension, <laughs> murdering a couple of people. But it turned out the mummy's not bad, really. He just wanted his jewels to ascend, because at the end, after he gets them all, he gets like zapped and he turns into a fucking blue alien, and he takes like the main character with him. It's just really trippy. Had the jewels been in his family? For, like, really long <laughs> I mean, they're in the, a hidden compartment of the coffin, so one can only imagine a long time and was very possessive of right. them. Although, if he didn't hit right. it with gamma rays, it wouldn't have come to life in the first place. Or maybe it would have. That was That's so fucking confusing. Was it an alien before we hit it with radiation or not? I don't know. But it had some like cool um, Tree of Life 
aesthetics to it and uh and just general even in a b movie it's beautiful so and and then it came up in kitchen sink the next day and we're like oh yeah that's cute but that was fun just didn't know if anyone else had seen it <laughs> dude what was i i was just looking at the fucking um well that that was in the back to the future endless thread right mm, i don't uh, know probably Pro- thought, probably okay well what wasn't in that thread? <laughs> well, I I I was tripping out over the fucking um, Johnny B. Good thing, cause like, uh, I saw uh, John Lennon perform. Well, oh fuck, I'm, where did I write it down at? Oh, I'm looking it's the wrong place. I, don't, I got my Facebook open. Um, I was trying to. Okay, so what the fuck was it? Okay, I, I lost it, man. I gotta look something up. I can't retain everything. I can't hug all the cats. That would be crazy. Jesus Christ, David. Come on. I'm trying, dude. I'm, I gotta look up something. All right. You guys can talk amongst yourselves. Well, I don't have anything to say without you. That's, not, that's so far from true. <laughs> Alan, are you still here? Oh, okay. I'm still here. Oh, yeah. Can you hear me? I just dropped in. I'm just looking at uh, a Knight's Tale IMDb quotes, and that's where it says, are you a woman or a blacksmith? And she responds, sometimes I'm both. Mm-hmm. Right, the alchemist, mm-hmm. the metal worker. Right, and so the rest is women's work and child's play. That's the whole thing. And then she's the one that ends up actually making his plate. So she gives him the, the yeah, she hooks him up. This is what I want to do. I want to. Well, are all three of us recording? I'm recording, but I don't know how it's going to turn out because it keeps being weird. But yeah, mine gets weird too. But mine automatically starts recording. Yeah, I just didn't know. I don't want mine to suddenly like flip out and I lose an hour and forty-seven minutes. So I just wanted to disconnect real quick and get it saved, and then maybe get back in on the call real quick. Would that be okay? All right. Okay. If we're gonna stay on, maybe we can. I'm all to actually hang up and call back because mine's been acting weird okay. too. Okay, cool. Let's do it. Kevin, sure. is that cool with you? Yeah. Alright, awesome. Okay, I'm here. Okay. You guys here? You're here like the no. demons and poltergeist? Oh, oh no. I, I see David. They're like the gremlins. Because <laughs> Stripe had the crayon on the original poster art for Gremlins, and it says "We're here," and so the, the in Poltergeist oh. they say "They're here," in Gremlins they say "We're here," and then Mogwai, the band, came out with their album "Mr. Beast" that I play with Poltergeist and ET at the same time, and it's, yeah, yeah. It, they have a song at the end that says "We're no here." <laughs> that was pretty good. Mm. I just showed my kids Poltergeist for the first time because oh, perfect. <laughs> Yeah, I made him watch it. It's like you because they saw the preview for the new Poltergeist. It's like you don't know shit. <laughs> <laughs> Did you spook him? You don't. Your kids aren't that old, right? Traumatized. Oh, my kids are them. right. Well, one's like seven. Like, <laughs> held on to my arm the whole time. The other one's twelve, though. So still, and she likes she likes uh, zombie killing things. I think she could handle it. <laughs> she lo- Yeah, that's right. That's right. I forgot you guys watched shows together. 
when Alan was here. She's not. She's pretty decent. Decent. Desensitized. What is it? Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> oh. Oh. So this was the thing. Okay. So um, somebody was talking about how Chernobyl was six months prior to, um, or six months after Back to the Future. Right. And so they were like, oh, is it predictive to, you know, the whole radiation thing or whatever? And uh, I, I should actually, if I'm going to say that, I should actually tell you who the fuck said that. So Andrew, Andrew West Griffin, I believe he says the events in Back to the Future occur on October 25th, 1985 and into the early morning of October 26, 1985. Exactly six months later, the events that went down in Chernobyl nuclear power plant occurred on April 25th, 1986 and into April 26th, 1986. I think the six month half year designation is important. And so I thought that, that was kind of interesting, and then I started thinking about it. It's like, oh yeah, that's very similar to the trip out I had about um, the seven month thing between um, The Shining and the death of John Lennon, uh, because The Shining obviously is named after Instant Karma. Um, uh, the Catcher in the Rye shows up with Danny Lloyd, uh, you know, in his first scene, and then the here's Johnny line being the Johnny Carson uh, reference, which was uh, Chapman's other target. Uh, Etc. And then, you know, uh, I was talking about fucking Pac-Man, because Pac-Man came out immediately afterwards, the very next day, right? And then it was like, oh, well, that's, you know, uh, running from ghosts in a maze. Uh, very similar. Pac-Man was originally called Puck-Man, relating to the satyr, which is Pan. And then you have Dan, Danny Lloyd is like Dan, but he brings Jack into the labyrinth, so it's like Dan's labyrinth, you know what I'm saying? Dan, Pan. So it's Pan's labyrinth. Anyways... So I, was, I thought that, that was interesting with the seventh month thing, but that actually, like, Sabbath means any cycle of seven. That's literally what Sabbath means. It's not just necessarily, like, Saturday, you know. It's, it's a, a And that's because, like, same idea in the I Ching that gets expressed when a movement's accomplished in six stages, and the seventh brings its return, you know. Seven is the does it have yeah. Does it have to relate to um, period of time, a cycle of time, or just any kind of cycle? Any kind of cycle of seven. That's huh. the thing. And so, and so I was, I was tripping out on, on that, but then I went and I just typed in Back to the Future, John Lennon, and then I got like an article that's like, go Back to the Future with John Lennon, and I found Yoko Ono goes Back to the Future with Acorn, and then I found fucking Johnny Be Good, sung by Chuck Berry and John Lennon, like, full on, like, just total, um, you know, uh, Back to the Future style, and then I'm like, Johnny Be Good, here's Johnny, Dan, Pan, Danny Lloyd, Christopher Lloyd, the Christ bearer, Pan, Pan, the Mount uh, Hermon where Christ has his uh, transfiguration, that actual mountain in real life at that time was all for Pan worship. They had a giant Pan statue there and all this stuff. Hermon is named after Hermes. Um, and then I find that then that Chuck Berry actually played in 1986 with Julian Lennon, Johnny B. Good. And so there, you know, and I thought that was weird. And so then Patrick was pointing out that Full Circle was also released in the U.S. on 9-11. Not just that. I mean, I'm sure you guys are familiar. It was open initially, like, in Spain on 9-11 one year and then, like, went around the world in, like, a circle and then, like, ended in New York, right? Or, yeah, I think in New York on 9-11, uh, uh, 1970 uh, or 1980. I, I can't remember, whatever the fuck. The point being is that it started showing on 9-11 and ended showing on another 9-11, which the probability of that are really interesting, the fact that it's called Full Circle. And The Haunting of Julia, Julia was the name of John Lennon's mother, why the song Julia that occurred, like if you watch with Rosemary's Baby, occurs during the impregnation and all this kind of weird shit. So 
Yeah, I just, you know, I thought you might find that interesting. Full Circle is 1977. That's when they started, and then it was like three years or something before they stopped um, distributing it around the world. It showed in different places around the world for like a lengthy time. If you go to IMDb and you just look up the, the release date, you are it'll show you. IMDb, IM42. Okay, yeah, 1981 in New York. Right, see, so that's the thing. And then it, it corresponds to over the time of when the whole thing played out. It's pretty ridiculous, man. She chokes on a fucking green apple. Apple. Apple Records. Like, I mean, it's, for, I mean for me, it's, you know, I, it, I don't know if you guys ever saw that sink that I used to have up for a while. The Haunting of Julia Roberts. The Haunting of Julia Roberts. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> the haunting of Julia Robin Williams. <laughs> hey, if, if I can, I think it's a good time. I I synced up that uh that weird uh, prophetic scene from Hook. Um. Yeah, please. To share my screen here. Let's see. Uh, how do you how do you share your screen? Is it through the attack? I don't know. I don't know about that technology. I'm very uh, old fashioned. Alan seemed to do something before. Let me there was. I have um, an option. There's a plus sign button. It says add participants, send files, and more. And Share screens. Share take pictures. Send it's like at the bottom of your thing, there's a camera, a microphone, a plus. You hit the plus, and then you can share screens. Oh, you've started doing it. It takes a minute. It takes a village. <laughs> I see. You guys seeing Hook? Yeah, yeah. it's pixelated, yeah. but I can see it. Alright, I'll give it a shot here. Julia Roberts on Robin Williams' chest. He's a feet print. Yeah, he's got a yeah. footprint. She's going to pick him up by his tie as a noose, and he's going to say, am I dying? It's pretty intense. Oh, that's fucked up. This is what you just heard with Rodney Asher, the, the, the woman not sitting on the chest, the, the night per, sleep, sleep paralysis. paralysis. Yeah, it's the fucking, I have that. But she's a butterfly, straight up. You she's sitting paralysis? I have that. My breathing becomes like super fucking refined, and I feel like I can just breathe like indefinitely, and it's it's crazy. Has that ever happened to you? Yeah, I have sleep paralysis. You should read the Rob Rodney a- or watch the Rodney a- or listen to the Rodney Ash. Come on, that bow tie is. I've read a ton of stuff on sleep paralysis. She's like, I'm dying. Look, there's my house way down there. Come on, that bow tie is a butterfly. The bow tie is a butterfly as well. Bingo. That's the fucked. <laughs> Kevin, didn't you do something with the rainbow tie? Bow tie? Rainbow tie. Bow tie, but I like that. Uh, oh, I, yeah. I think, rainbow yeah, suspenders think, uh, is more from Indian. Now he's got the bow tie, rainbow tie. Yeah. Right, right. The golden bow tie. Right. And he's Rainbow <laughs> Randolph. Yeah, I called him a long time ago. I think I called him the Rainbow Serpent or something like that. Because that's 
I mean, with the Mork and Mindy stuff and the Rainbow, right, that well, was before any of this stuff. You have the um, what looks like uh, the Orphic egg being referenced in Mork and Mindy when he travels in this egg. But then if you read right. the actual, like, the writings of Kenneth Grant, you know, who was the head of the OTO for quite a while, you know, his whole thing with Iowa centers around the egg and traveling in an egg. You know, you probably are familiar with that, right, Kevin? Pretty obscure, but... Uh, well, that was kind of <clears throat> cut out a little. What was that exactly? Well, I was just talking about how Kenneth Grant, um, as head of the OTO, would often talk in his relate his talk of Lom is all around the uh, egg. I said Iowa's, I think, but I meant Lom. Um, well, that's why he got ostracized, right? In the in the egg is that? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, they were all, they were all upset that he was bringing in the alien aesthetic to the. But it was well, very angelic contact or, experience. He he formed the Typhonian, OTO, which is which was uh, not officially recognized uh, by the OTO, you know. So so before uh, that, was he the head of the OTO, and they kind of ostracized him or whatever, or what? Uh, he was another person who made uh, I'm, I'm a, like I'm not like any kind of uh, trustable authority on the particulars, but um, from what I understand, he claimed to be the outer head of the order after Crowley's passing based on, I believe, like a written document, um, you know, transferring authority to him, but that document was like never produced. And, uh, Grant also, uh, I think had like a bit of a, like a couple of instances where he couldn't produce like the, uh, the proofs of his like standing grades within the AA or the OTO or anything like that. So, Correctly, like I said, I, I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure he he made that claim, but it was never officially true, you know. Well, no one can prove your grade in the AA. That's the thing about the AA. It's it's not uh, the worldly thing. No one's. Can but be yeah, the, the the attainments are like are proved in works, you know. So like the uh, you know, the work of like uh, Adeptus Minor. Or, or even like I guess we could say like the work of an adept, adeptus exemptus is to produce a, a whole sort of uh, magic or philosophy that um, you know aids humanity's evolution to some degree. So um, you know you could say that Crowley has his proof of those grades. Like that's the like that's the only external proof is is in accomplishments like that. You know. Uh, like that's why there's a lot of people who claim to be masters of the temple or eight degrees or nineties or epsisimus and um, all this stuff, but you know none of them have produced the the adeptus exemptus tome, mm -hmm. which uh, would be the proof of their of their grade uh, or you know adepthood in general is like that it's it's rarely provable by a lot of occultists because uh, the uh, that's pretty high for that, you know. So, but yeah, so the, there's a, there's always those like uh, the kind of occult scene bickering about who's, the secret chiefs fucking be, said that I'm supposed to be <laughs> right. Yeah, who's to be taken seriously about about any matter, you know, and things like that. But but you, you know, interesting thing about Grant, you when we were talking about water and uh, um, he was another person who did like a lot of cool work with. 
um, synthesizing certain Jungian concepts and things uh, into magic. And uh, particularly, he he produced this uh, tarot deck in this concept called the Tunnels of Set, which were these, uh, it's kind of like the, the cliffotic or the shadow side of the tarot, but with that comes uh, the ability to scry the uh, 22 paths or the 22... Uh, you know, spirits of the of the tarot trumps, uh, in the clephotic sense. You know, so uh, interestingly enough, he believed that the spirits of the clephotic um, tarot and what he called the, I think the night side of the tree. Uh, he believed that those spirits like lived in the water, like they were these uh, you could say like archetypes or spirits that were. Um, kind of like produced and sustained in the earth's water and that's something that he pointed out so it was interesting that earlier we were mim, talking about mim, 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 mim. yeah 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 right. yeah so uh and there's always that interesting i think the the collective unconscious as uh, symbolized by water and an ocean um and then that, that goes back to babylon and, and the red the red lady that we were discussing because uh that that like ocean is like the uh, the symbol of like the, the greater like ocean existence or the universe or like you know beyond the tree of life. So uh, I, I guess there's a certain consistency with the water symbolism um, in some of our discussions tonight, you know. But uh, yeah, what's but yeah, up with so, dark? Okay, so dark water. Jennifer Connelly walking to the end of a pier on like every fucking movie. I just got a flash. Is that from you, Will? Yeah, I mean that's what we were talking about earlier with Dark City. She's in Dark Water. She's in uh, what is it? Um, it's weird because in Dark City she's in the movie theater. She's like a, a ticket taker in a movie theater. And if you look above what she is, it says the Book of Dreams while she's asleep. But she's also in. Um, What's that movie with about the drugs or whatever about the narcotics? Requiem for a dream. Requiem for a dream, which is another. It's this whole Sleeping Beauty thing where she rec- is recognized as like the sleeping potential of Total Recall. Do you get what I mean? And dark, dark water is basically the same thing. She's in this movie called Dark City. She's in this movie called Dark Water. And she's in and House in- of Sand and Fog, which is a very dark movie. But she also walks to the end of the pier on. How many movies did she right. walk the end of a pier on? I think it's four or five. It's something. It's something crazy. No, I only thought it was two. I thought it was. No. There's just water everywhere. I mean, no, she's even it's, in. It's at the end of for a dream. It's in San and Fog. She's even it's in, in Noah. Dark City. I know it's in three. She's it's even in, in fucking Noah. I mean, she's in Noah where she's Noah's wife, and the world is, you know, drowned in a deluge of water. Memory. Right. right. I know I've mentioned this before, but in Dark City. The man's name is Murdoch. His last name is Murdoch. Mur is French. Matt Murdoch, Daredevil? Well, right, right. Same last name, exactly. Like Daredevil, but it's like the water dock. It's like the pier over the water that she's standing on. Is she she has this weird relationship with Kate Winslet, too. And there's this whole thing with, you know, Kate Winslet and water as well. And then there's this Leonardo DiCaprio thing. They touch the inner circles of people who have the same themes. And they like trade off. And actually, in the movie, um, 
I just can't remember what it is. I think it is the holiday or something like that, or the vacation with Kate Winslet. And Kate Winslet's like lover in that movie is the same guy who's in Dark City. So it's just like that they keep trading off with these characters and themes in this really weird way. If you include like Titanic, Blood Diamond, and all of Blood Diamond and the Jewel of the Ocean or whatever. What was it? Right, right. And it's weird because that the Heart of the Ocean's owned by King Louis the Thirteenth or whatever, which Leonardo DiCaprio actually plays in the Man in the Iron Mask. Oh, I didn't know that one. Oh, yeah, wow. it's fucked oh, that up. That movie is ridiculous. Where he, I mean, so like they beat you to the head with it. They have because he's the Sun King, but then like. They're constantly where he's with the twin brother, and he's always seen with the moon, and the other brother's always seen with the sun. Oh, they just go to town on it. They 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 do it hardcore. Like like once you realize it, it's like oh geez, this doesn't stop. Right, it's it's insane. And then there's like Shutter Island where Leonardo DiCaprio, like the first thing you see is him looking at a, the water, and he's like, man, that's a lot of water. Right, okay. Same Have you, do you guys remember the cartoon Pirates of Dark Water? Yep. Yeah, I thought I was the only one who remembered that. No, I remember. no that's why I dropped that in the chat, and then you guys started to like, apparently there's a dark... Is, the, is Jennifer Connelly in a movie called Dark Water? Yeah. Yes. Okay, because I was thinking Pirates of Dark Water, which apparently the alien world is called Mer, like I was just saying, Murdoch. That's the name of the Dark Water planet. And... um there's a monkey bird, which is like Wizard of Oz, right, obviously. But the monkey bird was voiced by Roddy McDowell, who was, for, of course, from Planet of the Apes. He Planet of the Apes and Communion. He did, the, he did. He was the, the guy who read the book Communion on the book tape of uh, Whitley Strievers. So, okay, just really, really quickly, some basic things. Like, you know, you got... Um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. There's a drawing of Kate Winslet on the boat with the skeletons at sea. You know what I'm talking about? Right. You know, you know, before? Okay, so like of the images that are in that movie that are in his drawing book, there's that, and then there's the one where they're laying on the ice and they're looking up at the stars, and she says, telling what constellations you see. Alan has pointed right. out that when he says, oh, I see a, um, a swoop it across, and he's saying, well, that's representative of Sirius. Uh, right. But then if you look at that piece of paper that they drew that on, there's actually, there's three hearts that are together. You guys think three, uh, three of hearts, you know, uh, three of cups, abundance would be where I would go with that. But um, I see this Star of David that's written there. Um, it's drawn on the picture right there with them. You're like, oh, there's a little uh, Star of David there. Well, isn't it funny that that's a, that's a symbol, as Jay Kotzer loves to point out, the green um, Star of David is the heart chakra. You know, he has this whole heart chakra association. Uh, but then you have, like, uh, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio, obviously, in, in the beach and stuff. But you have the, the, the film Titanic centering around the heart of the ocean. I find it really interesting that, like, they wake up in the, in the dream uh, in a bed by the ocean. You know, uh, it's, it's very strange. Uh, where was I? There was, I was going to go. More, oh, so so fucking Kirsten Dunst, she's Mary, right, in uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. And then uh, uh, Kirsten Dunst's best friend in Marie Antoinette is Rose. They have this whole, I don't know, I'm, I, 
I don't know. There's more things I could go into, but it's getting. I'm getting pretty um, tangential. But uh, you know that this, this significant thing is that fucking um, rosemary is is uh, marinus of the sea. That's the meaning of rosemary, and so uh, you know, Mary uh, is it Middle English um, form of the, the French Marie, derived from the name Maria, um, and ultimately from the Hebrew name, uncertain origin, Miriam. Um, isn't there some myrrh connection in the the last unicorn or whatever also well the thing with the last unicorn is that all the unicorns are held in prison in the foam of the sea so rosemary literally means dew of the sea i mean drop of the sea is the is the meaning of mary Um, if you carry that over to the whole rosemary thing i mean this whole devil baby concept and what we're going through right now with the year of the goat has to do with like I mean, it's the e- the ion of Horus or whatever, but it's this whole connection with Rosemary being like the sleeping beauty. Do you know what I mean? This isn't a dream. This is really happening. She's the potential, the unlocked potential of like total recall passed down to the new child, the right. star baby. Well, it's very important to know exactly. That's the two things is that you have 2001 A Space Odyssey and Rosemary's Baby are are absolutely linked in the way that they're both about producing this magical child. One is a star child, it's the savior. You have the Messiah returning. The other one, you have the Antichrist. And it's a conspiracy to create the Antichrist that she ends up accepting. The whole thing is like, we're okay, well, I guess I'll just submit and embrace whatever this is. Um, See, there's this whole Jack Black thing that's going on because the whole Beauty and the Beast concept of the two pillars being joined, right, is the the pathway is the Beauty and the Beast card or the Strength card or Oz, right? Mm -hmm. We've gone through this like a hundred times before. I don't think that we really need to like voice it anymore. But the most important part of that whole deal for me is that that pathway of strength is what connects Chesed and Gavora, and so you have the mercy coming to um, severity. And so to have charge of that or whatever is, is, a, is a huge... I mean, that's 77 Oz is that link between those specific spirit which connects the two pillars at the top or, or the, the abyss. The connecting of the right brain and the left brain. Right. And also, uh, uh, just to chime in, it's interesting there is a good um, sermon that my buddy from the Gnostic Church did... Uh, on the symbolism of Babylon and the beast. And uh, in that sermon, he talks a little bit about how the goddess is like ultimate of, of the not, you know, like the unmanifest, uh, and which would be like Ein Sof and, and Ein, you know, the uh, the veils of nothingness that are what even Kepler is a, a conceptual reflection of, you know? Sure. Um, so that the goddess of Babylon kind of represents that, that great unconscious desire of the god or the spark of creation to find itself uh, and experience itself through love. So Kether is that initial spark of the god uh, acting on the desire of the goddess who is not this uh, to become manifestedness, you know. So all this symbolism of like the, the great sea and the goddess and um, 
these these concepts are like uh, almost like inherent to our kind of human interpretation of reality uh, because we understand like the womb uh, primary uh, you know state and the water of birth and, and you know water being feminine so uh, all these symbols kind of like and and the way that this this kind of din- this dance of uh of like our human interpretation unfolds through all these films is like uh, really like i feel like it's like seeing the universal mind dreaming about what it does <laughs> you know mm-hmm. so it's well, i don't know how to formulate that the 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 movie as dreams interesting to me too and the whole concept i mean we could go on about the beauty and the beast thing for from here until dawn if we wanted to but like it's particular with jack black is very interesting to me because he's the movie director in uh king kong right and you know we can talk to ourselves blue in the face about the connotations of the twin towers and and King Kong, the fact that he's seen with that whole uh, 42 behind his head and Peter Jackson's King Kong, and then there's you know Andy Serkis's birthday being 420, and every every rendition of King Kong, one of the main actors' birthdays has been on 420, and the connotation of I the King the Kong being the What's that? That's um, isn't it the Queen's birthday as well? And isn't it fucking uh, uh, Crispin Glover's birthday? Crispin, right. Um, where I was going though was like the context from movies. It's almost like the savior almost exists in the movies themselves. Um, Jack Black also plays in this movie called Gulliver's Travels where the 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 beast symbolism is i mean they say the word beast in that movie like 42 times just yeah, saying i mean it said like every other sentence one army's red one army's blue he is the beast he's even sent to this island that has mists surrounding it but what's interesting is like he pulls the Lilliputans into thinking that his life is the movies like he made them reenact star wars as the story of his life, they make him like the main star. So in King Kong, he's like the director of the movie, the whole the King Kong is a movie within a movie. Do you know what I mean? And then he actually becomes like the, the, the movie in, um, in, uh, uh, the Gulliver's travel, but he's also in that movie called be kind rewind. With most Def, who's in you know Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, there's 42 connotations. Right, and then that's the whole thing of making movies over and over again. Both 2001: Space Odyssey and King Kong are represented in the movies that they make, but the main customer they have is Mia Farrell. Right. So like, there's this thorough line of like the whole. The like waking up from the dream happens in the movies, right? You know that Gulliver's uh, uh, Travels is a very uh, significant thing, and, and uh, people analyze the movie from a psychoanalytical perspective a lot. If you want to see uh, examples and evidence of that, there's book uh, Life Against Death by Norman Brown. There's a section in it that goes on for days. It's like this long chapter on Gulliver's Travels 
from a software perspective and the Yahoo and the whole deal. It's very Did you guys see a drop to the chat here? You said the whole dream, this is no dream. You some all this stuff and you some Rosemary's baby, the Christ figure, the savior and the, the dream. Did you see this I uh, dropped in the new poster for the yeah. the walk? The Twin Tower poster. Every, every every dream begins with a single step. And look at it. Look, the tightrope and the pole. It's like a crucifixion. It's clearly it's a cross. Oh, Axe Monday. So Axe Monday, good. straight up. Axe Monday, straight up. Right. The, the Kabbalah, the 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 thing in the middle of the 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 Kaaba stone thing that's in the middle of the tower is right there in the middle of the picture, isn't it? Correct. Yes. It's the eye in the pyramid in this picture. Actually. And of course, in Synchmas, the whole Synchmas, yeah, the Synchmas thing. Do you see that? What was that again? Do you see the eye in the pyramid? Look at this poster. Oh, shit. The sphere is the eye. Right. Totally. It's perfect. Because the shadow makes it that way. That's crazy. That's Joseph Gordon Levitt from Bloopers. Who is it? The main character in the wall. I also dropped a movie on the documentary. You've seen the documentary, right? What is it based on? Right. Yeah. It's got yeah. walked across. I mean, I haven't seen the whole thing. I watched parts of it at one point. But yeah, Man on a Wire, I think, is what it's called. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's actually happened. This fucker walked across the two towers. It's totally terrifying to me. But congratulations to you. I mean, my legs are shaking just thinking about it. Feeling anxiety right now looking at this image. <laughs> did you see Pan movie I dropped? Here? I did see yeah. that, and I just had a whole kind of excitement around that. Interesting. What else? I you- had no idea about this movie, but. That's just messed up. Wow, I don't know what to say. Yeah. Year of the Goat, brothers. Yeah. The Blue Devils won the NCAA championship. Daredevil's coming out. It's crazy. Kevin, you want to drop some goatee knowledge on us? Goatee knowledge. Um... Trying to think. I mean, I I was thinking on 420 how there's some some just interesting goat connections. Um, how like so Capricorn is ruled by Saturn, you know, and Capricorn is the goat, and uh, metal music is associated with like. Uh, the devil and Saturn and Satan and stuff and uh, and the you know the devil and gesture and so um, I'm losing my train of thought. There's like a interesting flow of symbolism. Oh, so heavy metal being like Saturn, like lead, you know, um, and the way that heavy metal attracts uh, the symbolism of the goat. 
Um, and I'm stoned, so I lost the I lost the 420 <laughs> goat connection. I was like, <laughs> thing, I was like, while you were talking, I was like, I feel like I should just smoke a bowl, and then I was like, uh, I was like, I don't know if I'll be able to pay attention to the rest of the conversation. <laughs> um, so you know what I think is interesting? You mentioned the metal and the goat connection. There's always this sort of um, like I have this vision in my mind whenever I think goat. There's always that sort of image of the goat eating the tin can. Mm-hmm. Right, and it's what in is my pet goat eats cans and cups. Yeah. Right. What is tin? It's Jupiter, it's as Jupiter. we all know. According right. to so Crowley 777. In the mythology, Saturn eats Jupiter. Right? It's true. Which is lead. Uh, so so He lead, eats his child. He eats lead his eats tin. Right, exactly. So I'm saying when you see the goat eating the tin can, it's Saturn eating Jupiter. That's, that's kind of cool. weird. That's interesting too, because that's the there's that that recurring connection between, you know, Jupiter and beyond the infinite, uh, and how David Bowman, you know, goes beyond Jupiter and, uh, so it's that, yeah, yeah. There's the whole, like, um, Jupiter Saturn connection in twin peaks as well. Like the, the gate to the Black Lodge opens when Jupiter and Saturn align. Oh, really? Is that right? I, man, I haven't seen it in so long. I need to rewatch that shit. Oh, that, man. That's what happens? That's Saturn happened. and Jupiter align, and that's what opens up the fucking gate? Yeah, totally. There's some really... I'm, I'm actually... when I'm, uh, I've got like a list of these hypnosis things I'm going to be getting into, and I'm going to do a Twin Peaks one. So uh, I've got like a pretty interesting little... Uh, flow about that like it connects with some of the stuff with mars we were talking about tonight too but i don't want to go too heavy into it right now dude i came across something a while ago about jupiter conjunctions and uh holy fuck dude there was like a i i gotta find it it's, it's on my blog somewhere I'll, I'll look it up but uh it was like these different events that took place during the different jupiter conjunctions and it was like everyone was super significant the major sync thing that I found at one point it totally tripped me out. Um, yeah, I'll look it up. Cool. Yeah, it was funny. I was um, relating it. There was something there uh, that was like relating to the dark crystal when single shines the, the triple sun, behold the two made one or whatever. And if you look at it, it looks like fucking Jupiter, like totally. You know, the planet that's when the alignment happens, you know? Yeah, this planet, and, and, and I was always relating to the dark crystal, like you're on the other side of Jupiter or something. Like this is another planet that we don't get to see, like Melancholia or whatever. That's like you know, somewhere over on it's like it's, dark side of the moon, dark side of Jupiter. Yeah, kind of deal. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Between the blue you once knew Floating down the 
Thank you for listening to this broadcast from the SyncBook Radio. If you enjoyed this episode, there's so much more content waiting for you at thesyncbook.com. Tune in to our other SyncBook Radio programs, 42 Minutes, Always Record, The Marty Leeds Mathematical Radio Hour, Synchronize, Pentimental, and Sync Quick News. Our newest episodes are always free, and members get access to our full archive of over 600 hours. You'll find all of this, as well as our books and videos, at thesyncbook.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.